When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Yeah, great to have you company. Gee, nice talking to David Payne. What a nice young man and certainly has contributed nicely to the Perth Scorchers campaign in BBL 12 and will be a very important player uh, with his left arm over the wicket bowling to the right-handed batsman on Saturday. It gets underway at 4.30. I've got to let him know that the, this stage, the forecast top is 39 degrees for Saturday, so it's going to be a real scorcher if it does uh, go that way. Things sometimes do change by a degree or two as the days get closer. But at this stage, it's going to be 39 degrees for Saturday. And uh, tickets are flying out the door. They're expecting a crowd of in excess of 50,000, which would be great to see. So what we're doing, tomorrow night I'll speak to Sean Marsh about the second BBL title that the Scorchers won. He was the man of the match. And also we'll talk to him about his experience at the Melbourne Renegades this season and his future on the verge of turning 40 years of age. Sean Marsh, uh, what a trooper he's been. Uh, Leon from Hocking, as we look at the top three Perth Scorchers players of all time, has gone Mitch Johnson at number one, Brad Hogg at number two, and Ashton Turner at number three. Here's another one. Uh, no name to this one. Best scorchers of all time and most fashionable. One, Brad Hogg. Two, AJ Ty. Three, Mitch Johnson. And that is quite a popular trifecta at the moment. Norman Cowell goes Brad Hogg, one. AJ Ty, two. Mitch Johnson, three. So there you go. There's that trio once more. Now, Lisa at Ellenbrook, a great supporter of Sports Day, says, Hi, Pete. Great show. My best players for Scorchers, Brad Hogg, one. Michael Klinger, two. Mitchell Johnson, three. So I will give you the final tally or who we sort of look at one, two, three in about five minutes' time when we close the temperate bedshed text machine for this poll. So get in now, zero four eight seven. 736 because in about five minutes' time, we'll be speaking to Peter Lawler, the uh, very well-respected cricket journalist. He's going to give us his thoughts on the upcoming four-test tour between Australia and India. He flies out on Sunday. As we mentioned, some of the players flew out today, including Steve Smith after winning his fourth Allen Border medal last night, and some of the other players will fly out uh, tomorrow. So get on the uh, temperate bedshed text machine, that number again, uh, 123, I'm looking for the best scorches of all time, 0487 736 736, uh, or you can get on the Kia open line at 13 12 55. And, of course, this is Sports Day, all thanks to the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar. Let's have a look at some sports headlines for tyre power. Buy three 
and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. And fans will be granted free entry to all AFL pre-season games with the league announcing the schedule for its sole round of official practice matches. Now, for our teams, match simulation against Port Adelaide for the West Coast Eagles has been confirmed for Friday, February 24. Bounce down at 4.40. Now, the match simulation match will be played this way is that the clash will be played over six periods, four periods of 28 minutes and two periods of 20 minutes with no time on. And then on Friday, March the 3rd, the West Coast Eagles will take on Adelaide at Mineral Resources Park at a 4.40 start there under normal conditions. Now, the Fremantle Dockers at their Victor George's Kalis Oval, which is at the club's Coburn Central headquarters, they'll host their AFL opposition in match sim. They'll take on Adelaide Friday, 24th of Feb, with a bounce down at 3.30. And then on Thursday, March 2, they'll take on Port Adelaide at Fremantle Oval, and that gets underway at 4.10 local time. As I mentioned earlier, Luke Shuey has been endorsed as the West Coast Eagles captain for a fourth consecutive season. Uh, he was anointed the club's 12th captain leading into the 2020 campaign and was overwhelmingly supported by players and staff to continue in his role. Four-time All-Australian, now Jerry McGum will continue as vice-captain and will be joined in that capacity by last year's club champion, Tom Barris, succeeds Nick Natanui as co-vice-captain. Natanui and also Shannon Hearn did not seek formal leadership roles this season. Now, the Matildas are set to play on the biggest stage of the FIFA Women's World Cup following the announcement that their opener on July 20 has been moved to the larger capacity Stadium Australia. Now, following huge demand for tickets, the global governing body has continued to face pressure to move the clash, and Stadium Australia's 83,500-seat capacity has been now ticked off, allowing an extra 40,000 extra fans to witness the occasion. So some big news there for the Matildas, led by our very own Sam Kerr, and it's going to be an incredible event. And we can let you know, actually, that uh, SEN Network will be uh, the official radio host broadcaster of the FIFA Women's World Cup. And I look forward to calling the matches here in Perth uh, from HBF Park. So looking forward to that. Just before we give you the final results, and you've still got time, the top three Perth Scorchers in BBL history as we head towards Saturday night's blockbuster against either the Sydney Sixers or the Brisbane Heat. Who have been the top three? At the moment, has been the likes of Hogg, Mitch Johnson, Ashton Turner, AJ Ty, uh, a few others. Uh, Simon Caddish has been thrown in the mix. Justin Lang has been thrown in the mix because of his role in those early years as the coach. Uh, still a couple of minutes before we give you the final results, but they won't have the Perth Scorchers on Saturday night. Lance Morris, uh, the wild thing, because he's on the plane to India. There it is, the Trogs from 1968, I think it was, Wild Thing. Oh, great song. They don't make music like that anymore, let me tell you, Lee and Jimmy. Um, the Lance Morris, the Wild Thing, says he can bowl even faster than what he's bowling at the moment. Uh, I think, that, yeah, there's definitely... I'm, ne I'm not really, like, happy with where my... My action is, is pretty good at the moment, but there's definitely some technical tweaks and things like that that I'm always sort of 
tuning tuning up or working on. So I think um, moving forward, if I can if I can make a few technical tweaks, I, I will be able to bowl uh, at least quicker for longer. But um, yeah, I think there is there is some potential there. So um, hopefully we'll see what happens. So there you go. That's Lance Morris. A wild thing. Play it again. A couple of more bars here, Lee. <laughs> I love it. Makes me back to my childhood when I had long hair. All right. Uh, here's the final uh, voting for the three best scorchers of all time. Coming in, we'll go top four, actually, because there's been a tie. At number four, AJ tie. At number Three, Ash Turner. Mm. At number two, Mitchell Johnson. And I've got to work with him. If I tell him this, his head will get so big. But anyway, number one, Brad Hogg, the Perth Scorchers all-time favourite, according to our Sports Day WA listeners. Okay, let's go now to Test Cricket. Looking forward to this. Peter Lawler is a cricket writer and one of the leading cricket writers in the country, writes for the Australian newspaper. And he joins me here on Sports Day WA. Pete, thanks for your time. Yeah, nice to have your company too, Peter. Well, after a couple of underwhelming tours uh, during our Australian summer with the West Indies and South Africa, I tell you what, a lot of people have been waiting for this one on the subcontinent. Oh, it's a tantalising, tantalising prospect, isn't it? I've got to say, there's two tantalising prospects, isn't there? The After this, we've got England and the Ashes, and I've never seen England looking better ahead of an Ashes. But you are right, the Border Gavaska Trophy, and I don't think I've seen the Australian team better placed to win the, the BG in India since 2004 when they did it last. Yeah, and of course, led by I think Glenn McGrath and Jason Gillespie, yeah, the pace attack did the job all those years ago. It might be a little bit different this time around. Don't forget Michael Kasperovitz too, who kept <laughs> them sort of on the straight and narrow. He was kind of he, he was your. Uh, he was the poor guy who got carried to tours of India and told to bowl a lot, wasn't he, because of what he provided. Yes, it'll be different. I remember saying to Darren Lehman in recent years, like, why don't you just use that tactic that you used in 2004? The three seamers who bowled the vast majority of the overs and that bloke Shane Warne, and, and Warney played three of the four tests, didn't play the last one. But he, he didn't have a huge impact on tests, but he was very, very good. Um and Lehman's reply was, "It's real. The conditions have deteriorated considerably every tour that since since then. You know, in, India really turns out these uh, raging Turner wickets, which they didn't so much in 2004." Saying that, there was that two-day spin camp there at North Sydney Secondary Oval. Uh, Ashton Agar mm. was deprived of playing in the Big Bash match at the weekend. Todd Murphy was there. Mitchell Schwepsons were there. Nathan Lyon. I don't think I recall that ever happening before an overseas tour. That was quite unique. Yeah, they, they did something similar before Pakistan. You'll re recall that they didn't play a tour game in Pakistan, and I think tour games are going the way of the dodos, I'm afraid, these days. No one wants to play them. But they went down to Melbourne and they did something similarly, similar. They knocked up a sort of Pakistan-style wicket in the... I think it was in the practice nets at the MCG. So that's kind of the way these guys roll these days. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they go, I reckon. Like, I think a few of them are holding up their hands. I've heard Warner 
say twice recently how tired he is. And I think he's kind of whining for Australia on this one because from what I hear, I think Usman, um, Labashane, Smith and he, the guys who played BBL after the Test Series, have found it harder than they thought. I mean, David can't win. He got a lot of money for doing it. But I think they found that sort of fly-in, fly-out nature of the BBL was quite taxing on the end of a summer. And uh, I think Smitty had to fly over to Perth and back, didn't he? Mm. He won't get any sympathy from people who live in Perth and have to fly across the continent <laughs> all the time. But I think there's a few tired boys uh, getting on that plane. Half of them left today. Smith was among them, but Warner leaves tomorrow. The guys that left today got the short straw. They they have to do a stopover in Singapore on the way across. But the, the guys that fly tomorrow, I think, have a direct flight. Saying that, when you look at the batting, which is going to be a real key to try and combat the spin of Gadeja and, of course, Ashwin and co., really only Stephen Smith has a healthy average above 30. Is it going to be a dangerous situation? Does our batters need to stand up? Oh, absolutely, 100%. You have a look at the inning scores on the last tour in 2016. Yeah. 250, 280 is kind of a par score, I think, in a lot of those venues that you go to. So I reckon you could end up in a situation where if you've got if you've got a couple of batters averaging high 30s, mid 40s, you've done very well. It is just so difficult to score runs in India. You talk about past experiences. Hopefully, everyone's better for their past experiences in India. Um, I'm very excited to see how Smith's going. I don't think I've seen a bat. I don't think I've seen a batsman in better form for a long, long, long time. He's in thrilling form, and if things go right, he could be absolutely critical over there. But we've got remember we've got Usman Khawaja, who once upon a time couldn't play spin. Uh, these days, he, he he's a very good player of spin. But Alex Carey in the middle there, who's a fantastic sweeper of the ball, which is really necessary over in India, and uh, I watched Cam Green play the sweep shot in uh, Sri Lanka earlier in the year. And that good innings, he made 70-odd, didn't he? I think was it the first test. Mm. Um, so I think they're better equipped. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it, but look, you've got you to temper any excitement you have. You know, since that 2004 series, I think Australia been over there four times since. They've won one test. In the, I've got this written down here. In the 56 tests played in India in the last 12 years, India has lost only four of them, three to England and one to Australia. It is the hardest prospect in modern cricket, winning in India, if you're the away side. Saying that, it makes it so exciting. I did an extended interview with Cam Green when he was over here, uh, but just before one mm. of the broadcasts of the Perth Scorchers match. And, of course, he had his uh, hand in a bit of a splint and, and all bandaged. And I said, how are you going? He was hopeful that it'd be OK by the first test in India. But reports are suggesting he won't be and won't bowl in the first test that gets underway in about 10 days' time. Yeah, McDonald was certainly indicating that, wasn't he? Um I wonder why, to be honest with you. Like, McDonald's indicating there's more chance of batting than bowling. If he's got pins in that finger, I would have thought you'd just as much do probably more chance of doing damage to a batting than you are mm. bowling. But anyway, I'm not a doctor. Um, <laughs> I'm a hack. But the the risk that he cannot bat and bowl, that his absence from that first test 
uh, in either of those disciplines is massive, absolutely massive. It throws the whole selection out of order. And it, and it highlights something that's sort of dawned on me over the last few years is just how important Cam Green is. To be honest with you, you, you put Cam Green in there and you pick everyone else around him. He gives you so much flexibility. You take him out. Suddenly you've, you've you've got headaches, haven't you? Who do you play? Where do you play them? Do you, you know, do you do, go the the two? You have to, suddenly the three spinners is completely out of the question, isn't it? Without a camera. Yeah. So saying that with Nathan Lyon, and we'll need to spin the Indian batsman out. You'd think. Uh, what about mm. the you know, Agar, Schweppes, and Murphy? Certainly not experienced campaigners when it comes to these sort of conditions. So a lot will rest on the shoulders of Nathan Lyon. Who will come? Do you think? as the best support for him? Ashton Agar, I think. I think Ashton Agar's front, uh, front and centre to do that. They like him a lot. He's been around for a long time. He knows his cricket. He's very confident of it. Um, I'd be very worried about blooding a young spinner over there. Um, I've, I've seen the Indians take down, you know, even even spinners as good as Shane Warne. On their first couple of tours of India, the first thing they did was take him down in tour matches. They won't get that chance now. But the, the, the Indian players are excellent players of spin, and they will target anybody who's not completely on top of their game. But uh, I reckon, I reckon Ashton Agar has a lock for that first mm. test, isn't he? It's so important, isn't it, that this series keeps the life of Test cricket at the forefront. As we know, a lot of the major nations we've seen the West Indies sort of falter a bit. You know, Pakistan mm. hit and miss. Mm. Sri Lanka's having issues. It's now England, India, possibly Australia, and even New Zealand have maybe just drifted off a bit. How important it is for the lifeblood of cricket that this is a damn good series. Oh, it's very important. It's important for Australia. It's important for India. I mean, I think that, and and I'm not alone in this, it's of equal weight with the Ashes these days, this border Gavaska thing. Um, It's great that you need to have some good cricket over in India. I think you will. I mean, India's a nation that that loves, still loves test cricket. It may not show up. (laughs) The crowds aren't great, but I don't blame them. Mm. If you've ever been to those stadiums and sit there, without any shade all day at the test cricket, it's a big ask. But, um, yeah, it's a big – it's a huge – it's it's a huge series. Peter, as we let you go, you're a well-travelled cricket journalist. Uh, What do you like about going to India, apart from the passion that the locals do deliver? What do you like about covering an Australian series on the subcontinent, in particular, India? How long have you got? I've been travelling to India since before I was a before I was a cricket journal. I was a hippie travelling around. Oh, India. right. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love the place. I say I say this: if you're bored in India, check your pulse because you're possibly dead. It is just <laughs> an endlessly fascinating place, and the cricket's fascinating. The pictures are fascinating. You're out of your comfort zone. You're always looking around, thinking, "What the hell's going on here?" And and you know, away from the cricket and at the cricket. It's just a unique place. You just it, They've broken the mould over there. Well, you know, the mould that we live in, the ruts that we live in, it's, it, it's a different approach to life. It's a different approach to cities, to food, mm. to culture. Yeah, it's it's just great fun. It's, it's just such an energetic place. It really brings you to life. I remember years ago when I was still doing this gig, I used to speak to Mike Coward, uh, the respected cricket journalist, and he used – it's almost like you now being Mike Coward talking to me about India because he loved the place as well. 
<laughs> you know, by 2004 was my first tour of India, and Mike was the uh, senior cricket columnist for the Australian, which I was working for at the time. And I remember going over there thinking, gee, Mike's an old man. He's almost at the you know, he's at the end of his career. Well, guess what? I'm older than Mike now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Oh, anyway, Pete, safe travels. We look forward to reading your coverage. Very experienced uh, journalist. You love your cricket. You love India. And it will be riveting reading and it will be a riveting uh, test series. Thanks for spending some time with us. And as I said, safe travels to the subcontinent. Great to chat. Thank you very much.